Welcome to Savage. I'm your host, Kelsey Kenry, CEO, wife, and mom of three. This is where you find the aligned strategy and mindset shifts to unleash your power, unlock your freedom, and step into your full potential as a CEO. Every episode is full of tough love and hard truths with a side of tactical guidance to expand your success. You ready? Let's do the damn thing. Welcome to the Bravehearted Podcast, where we are changing the way you get inspiration by allowing you to hear resilience and victory in hard stories. We discuss new methods on handling life situations so you can show up confidently in your life. We are different because instead of just giving you inspiration through stories, we give you actionable tools to make the change that you want to make. Let's live bravely today. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode number eight. I'm so excited about this interview today. Before we get started, I do want to say that some of the material we talk about is deep and can sometimes be controversial. Please use headphones when listening in public or around your children or any children at all for that matter. So for those of you that don't know, my name is Kelsey and I am a life coach and personal development speaker working with women and audiences all over the world to find who we truly are by owning our stories, building confidence, and being able to overcome obstacles to really reach our goals and be who we were meant to be. Mindy is here, but Mindy has no voice. So Mindy is a career coach and business guru with no voice today. So today, so excited about this interview. We have Jordan Syatt. And Jordan has a very large Instagram following, but he puts out some amazing content that is really, really just solid to the point and so helpful. And he's doing a great job at helping so many. So welcome, Jordan. Tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. I'm a strength coach, nutrition consultant. I'm super obsessed with Harry Potter, big mama's boy. I like deadlifting. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Like I, I'm mainly known as a strength and nutrition coach with an affinity for Harry Potter and deadlifting. And that's basically it. <laughs> Deadlifting is the best lift. I do have to without say. question, without question. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, uh, prior to children, I competed in powerlifting. Oh, nice! And, and was uh, a figure athlete as well. So that was always fun to have the the dual athlete before being a dual athlete was cool because it was like so many <laughs> years ago. So I know that like. I love your Instagram because me coming from the fitness side of things, you post so much truth about underlying things. Like let's stop bullshitting and look at like what's really going on here. So tell me a little bit about the evolution of that. Of my Instagram? Yeah. Sure. So I started posting on Instagram. Actually, so this will be interesting. I never told this story before. I started my business in 2011, my mm-hmm. online business. I just, just started my website in July of 2011 when I was training at Westside Barbell. I didn't know that a business was possible. I was just trying to create more content to help more people. That was it. I didn't, I didn't expect to make any money from it. I was in college. I was a freshman mm-hmm. in college. Then after I graduated college, after several years and writing articles every single week and creating a ton of content people started asking me if I could coach them online. And so I did. And by the time I graduated college, I had a, an online business that was functioning. It wasn't like doing unbelievably well, but like I could support myself. Yeah. And then I ended up dating this girl in Boston. I moved back to Boston after college. And she was like, you got to get on Instagram. You got to get on Instagram. And I was like, screw Instagram. Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> like everyone's just posting selfies and like ab <laughs> shots and da, 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 da. And this is when like, 
I think you could only post like a 10 second video on Instagram or something like you could do like pictures or 10 second video. And that was it. Like yeah. it was not what it is today. And she was like, you have to do it. Cause I was not big on social media at all. I had my website and I had my email list, but I had, I didn't want anything to do with social media. Cause I just thought it was more of like a popularity contest and mm. I didn't like what I saw. But eventually she just, she like really just kept nagging and nagging. And <laughs> Finally, I got on Instagram. And uh, if you go back and look at my post from 2014, 2015 on Instagram, I'd already been posting on my website and other stuff for years, but I fell into the trap that most people do, which is just posting about myself and pictures of myself or like, I'm most well known for my deadlift. I deadlifted 530 at a body weight of 132. So I deadlifted four times my body weight. Yeah. And I was doing like a lot of my own uh, powerlifting and like just myself without really helping people. And then I actually, I ended up breaking up with her and I moved to Israel and I lived in Israel for a while. And then I, uh, I got a job coaching Gary Vaynerchuk. So I moved from Israel to New York City over three, three and a half years ago to coach Gary. Mm-hmm. And Gary challenged me to post three times a day, every day on Instagram. And at You're this like, point, in time, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So, so I started it in 2014, and I would post maybe three to four times a week on it between mm-hmm. 2014 and 2016. Then I started coaching Gary, and uh, on December 27th of 2016, I he challenged me to post three times a day every day, which I was like, that's ridiculous. Number one, like, what in the hell am I going to post three times a day? Yeah. Number two is most people are going to get annoyed that I'm posting so often. And so I posted two times that day. And the next day, Gary said, did you post three times? And I said, yes. And he was like, no, you didn't. I saw. I was like, ah, damn it. (laughs) So then from December 28th, then I posted three times a day every day Mm -hmm. uh, for the better part of a year. Mm -hmm. And through that process of posting three times a day every day, if you scroll back, you'll see I went through a big transformative process of learning what type of content I was going to create that was going to be the most helpful for people. Because when you're posting three times a day every day, you can either just post about yourself, which is just seems right. unbelievably conceited and obnoxious. Right. Or if you're a coach, help people and right. post what they need. And so yeah. you'll see my... You'll just literally watch as I progress. And, and this is what I mean by sort of like with our clients in, in the fitness industry where the more they track their calories, the more they go to the gym and practice the technique, the more it becomes a habit and the better they get at it, the less they need to really think about it. Mm-hmm. So with posting three times a day, I was practicing the skill of creating content. I was practicing the skill of getting really good at communicating via social media. Mm-hmm. So over time, I realized that I needed to speak less about myself and more about give people information that's going to help them. And so then through that process after, I mean, within that year, my Instagram grew from like 5,000 to over 200,000 just from posting three times a day, every single day. And it really went from posting about me to posting what information I can give to help people achieve their own goals. And that's really where I became a lot of times known as like the guy who's like myth busting, like just busting all the myths in the industry, just like all the nonsense. Because the more I realized it, the more I saw how much awful information there was out there. And so I was like, so bad. The, the best thing I can do is give as much knowledge and information that I can to help people become critical thinkers and make their own decisions. Yeah. And I love that because your posts are very straightforward. And I think that that's something that's really missing in the fitness industry. I mean, the fitness industry is it's so, I don't even know the word that I want to use for it. It's enough that I was like, well, <laughs> it's been fun, but I'm going to go this way. But you know, like there's always that piece of my heart that's there because when you work with people and you understand, it's like you see how bad they struggle and you see like what's underneath that. And it's like, okay, like you look at this person and you're like, okay, they're overweight or whatever, but what's underneath that? Like, why is that happening? It seems like what I've always connected to is that not only do you, you know, bust these myths and kind of like make people think, but it's also like, all right, let's like also love yourself, like respect yourself, like make your decisions because you are worth those decisions versus just being like, oh, I need to eat less food or whatever and make it so surface level. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad you've noticed that. A lot of what I do is in response to what I see in the industry and see online. So when I first started about ah, about three years ago now, posting three times a day every day, I knew that I had to give away information to help people. 
And, and a lot of that was in the form of infographics and was in the form of just really quick and easy to digest information to help people educate themselves. Since then though, now tons of accounts do that. It's become yeah. more of a, of a mainstream thing to do in the science-based fitness industry where coaches are creating very good science-based information. Mm -hmm. So in response to that, now there's almost an overload of information. Now there's like yeah. so much that a lot of times people don't know what to do. And so now in recent, like, recent times, this whole like diet culture thing has come up and this whole like idea of it doesn't matter how you look like, it doesn't matter how healthy you are, and not how healthy, but it doesn't matter like uh, your weight, it doesn't matter whatever, as long as you love yourself. And so then a lot of times what's, what I've been seeing is that a lot of people are not taking action and are not doing anything because they're just told that they're perfect as they are, which I think mm -hmm. is a huge mistake. Because number one, I always look at it like one of the first things people say about someone they love, like their, their husband, their wife, their partner, whoever it is, they'll be like, they push me to be a better person. They make mm -hmm. me a better person. So yeah. we all inherently realize that we can be better and grow and do better. Like we know that it's, it's a part of being a good human is knowing that you all can always be better. Yeah. So I'm a little bit bewildered at the people on social media who are like, you're just perfect as you are. Like you shouldn't change a thing. Like you're just, you shouldn't, you don't need to do this. You don't need to do that. I'm always like, what are you talking about? Because if you really, really do want to love yourself, then number one, you can't just say you have to love yourself. That's like saying if someone who wants to lose fat, like, well, why don't you just, just lose fat? It's like, well, if I could, I would. Like, just, yeah, thanks like, for the tip. <laughs> what's the action plan here? Right. I think so much of loving yourself comes from working to be better. Through the process of working to improve yourself, you'll actually start to love yourself. I think a lot of the people who, who really, really struggle with self-love and self-confidence are not doing anything and that perpetuates the cycle of, well, I don't love myself. And since I don't love myself, I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. Versus if you start taking action and you start working, it doesn't have to be a huge leap or a bound. One small step, one thing consistently, whether it's improving your nutrition, going to the gym more, educating yourself more, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But for me, a lot of what I do is to combat this nonsense that I see, which is basically saying like, you're perfect as you are. You don't have to change a thing. It's like, no, no, no. Like you're great but you could be better. Yeah. It's like, it's a, I, for me, it's a way more optimistic mindset to think you can be better because at least now you have something to strive for, something to improve. If you're just as great as you're ever going to be right now, then what's the point? Like, yeah. there's nothing, you can't go anywhere. It's right. Like, you have to know that you can be better and through that process of always trying to be better, then you start to love yourself. Yeah. And that's beautifully put and that's aligns with a lot of what I say too about, I call people that think they're okay as they are because none of us are. I call them floaters. Like I love that. You're waking up in the morning and you're just on fucking repeat. And yeah. I cannot imagine living my life like that. And I always say, actually our last episode was about fear. And we talked about like the link between fear and confidence. And you have to build confidence to conquer your fears, but you also have to conquer your fears to build confidence. So you just start small, exactly like you said, like something, something that's in front of you, like just move, just fucking move forward. And like failure is moving forward. We talked about that too. Like it's just something because at least there's a lesson there, but if you stand still, what's the point? Like, what are you doing here? I absolutely agree. It's actually why I'm such a huge proponent of walking for people yeah. when they're just getting started, just yes. like literally if, if you don't know where to do, where to begin or what to do, start with five minutes of walking a day mm -hmm. because just that usually what'll happen is from the, like, they don't want to do anything. They want to lie in bed. They want to stay comfortable there, whatever it is, just getting up and deliberately doing five minutes of something they don't want to do will oftentimes lead them to wanting to do more, which will then lead to them getting more results, which will then lead to them being more motivated to take more action. It's like a lot of times people want to do like the perfect program or the optimal program or like the, the best diet when the reality is you don't need anything optimal because what you need is you just need to fucking start something. Pure. Yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. And that's the problem is that people will use that as an excuse to where it's like, oh, well, I don't have the optimal scenario. So I can't do that. Exactly. And like, you and I are on the same level. We're like, that's bullshit. If you just <laughs> do something, then you can do more. But you got to do something first. Like 100%. I do on my Instagram, I always post just hashtag daily movement. And so every day I'm like posting 
whatever I do because strength training is still my primary movement. So if you can give yourself just 30 fucking minutes, like I don't care what you do. I don't care if you go to Zumba. I don't care if you walk, but you have to move because just moving makes such a difference in your mental, like your mental health changes with movement. So I I love, I'm so like on the same page with you here. So I love that like your focus is what it is. And so I want to hear a little bit more about like, how did you end up here? Like, okay, we've talked about like the, the growth of your Instagram. I think it's hilarious that you post it three times a day. I'm like, that's, <laughs> I don't even know if I could do that. To be fair, you also have two kids. Yes. And like, yeah. I do not have that. <laughs> yeah. Two very small children. And Eric is like a third child. So <laughs> like, you know, um, but so tell me, I want to know more about you. I want to know more about like your growth as a person. Cause obviously we're talking about all of this, like just starting and just moving forward. So where were you? How did you start? What did you struggle with? Oh man, I don't think anyone's ever asked me this. <laughs> I don't have this answer in my back pocket. <laughs> I guess, I mean, I'll start with, uh, I started wrestling when I was eight years old. So I started wrestling because my older brother got picked on a lot. Mm -hmm. So uh, my older brother's about three years older than I am. When I was eight and he was 11, my mom was like, all right, you guys are going to wrestle. And I remember we were in my living room and I was just like, you want me to hit someone with a chair? Because I thought she was talking about WWE, like WWF type stuff. And she was like, no, you idiot, like Olympic style <laughs> wrestling. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but okay. Yeah. And, uh, and I fell in love with it. Like yeah, I was just obsessed with it. It's all I thought about. I ended up making varsity as a freshman. So I beat a junior out for the varsity spot. And I, was, I had to cut a lot of weight. So I had to cut from, I weighed around 112 pounds. And I was cutting to 103 pounds every week. Oh. So I was cutting from 112 pounds to 103 pounds. And... At that, I mean, I was, most people don't know how to do that healthily in general, never mind like a 13 year old kid. And uh, I had to not only cut a lot of weight, but I also had to gain strength at the same time. Because Mm -hmm. as a 13 year old kid, going mostly against juniors and seniors, I wasn't anywhere near their strength level. Like technically, I was a good wrestler, endurance wise, I was a good wrestler, but I had to get stronger if I was really going to compete. So uh, I actually, I ended up requesting to intern at a gym nearby me. Uh, because I wanted to learn from them and like just teach me how to get stronger, teach me about nutrition so I can improve my wrestling. They denied me. Like they, they wouldn't let me come in. They were like, uh, our clients don't really want a high school kid walking around. So no. And I was devastated. Like I was like, I didn't expect that at all. They, yeah. they, they didn't just like call me. They actually called me in to the gym to like have the conversation. And I didn't have a car because I was 13 years old. So I, I walked to the gym, which was like a mile and a half walk. And I went there and I was like super excited. They're like, yeah, they're going to give me this internship. And then basically they literally within several minutes were like, yeah, so it's, it's going to be a no. And I was like, I just walked all the way here for this. <laughs> like, what the hell? Oh my God. So then I walked back home. I remember walking in. My mom was like, what happened? Did you get it? And I was like, no, like, I didn't get it. And I was just super upset. I started slowly walking away, just like mopey. And, and she was like, now what? And I was like, what do you mean now? Well, like I didn't get it. She was like, so are you going to apply to another one? Like, it was yes, just like, go mom. Her, it was like the most, like for her, it was the most logical. This is the next step. Well, don't just stop. Yeah. For me, I just wanted to wallow in my own self pity. I almost like got angry be like, what do you mean? Like, let me just like, let me live. Like, let me just live in this moment of despair. Yeah. But, but she wouldn't tolerate it, which like, what a wonderful mother to have that she wouldn't tolerate me just wallowing my own self despair. Mm-hmm. She like, was like, no, no, you apply to another one now. We don't just sit here and wait. And so then I applied to another one and I got it. It was a blessing because this gym that I applied to was not only incredibly kind and generous and took me under their wing. And, and I ended up working there all through high school, but they were ridiculously science-based, like ridiculously science-based. They were, they introduced me to all the greatest people in the industry. They're the reason why I didn't waste too much time with pseudoscience nonsense and with like a lot of falling into a lot of the myths. Like they're the reason why I got a lot of internships later in my life. Like that gym really was the foundation for me starting in such a high level of the fitness industry so young. Mm-hmm. 
And so I worked there all through high school. My, I mean, I, my first client I had when I was 14, his name was Fred. He was 68 years old and he had really bad shoulders. And his only goal was he wanted to be able to lift his grandson up without worrying about hurting his shoulders. Oh, so <laughs> as a 14-year-old kid at that time, with basically my main goal being really good at wrestling and looking really good naked, it was very hard for me to pers- like have this idea that some people are going to work out solely for the purpose of feeling better without necessarily wanting to have abs or like to look good. Is like He just wanted to be functional so that he could actually lift his grandson. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge transformative experience for me, very uh, eye-opening as a young coach. And that's when I realized I really loved coaching because mm-hmm. I wasn't coaching Fred or anybody else because like in the way that I needed to be trained, I was coaching them in the way that they needed to be trained. Yeah. I was coaching them in a way that that I loved seeing their progress regardless of what I was doing as my own lifting or my own training. And, and I became obsessed with it. I became obsessed with the idea of, of helping people and improving their own fitness and their own health and their own mindset. And that really was the stage and foundation of how it all began. Yeah, that's amazing. So... Well, I mean, like you said, it's so funny how stuff always works out like that. Like if you hadn't gotten that no from the first place, how different would things be now? I love like- I thank God every day that they said no, because if they said yes, then like I might've gotten a completely different, I would have gotten a completely different education. And I've gone back, that gym was awful, like really not a good gym, not a good education. So like it was a huge blessing that they said no. And it was- a a greater blessing that my mom wouldn't tolerate my my self-pity and despair and that like she was very it's funny as a kid when you have a strict parent you hate it you're like oh they're so strict Mm -hmm. i remember when i was in sixth grade i asked this girl heather wood out on a date and i was 12 and i was like yeah let's go to the movies just because i was like of course like they do it in the movies they do this in the tv shows movies all the time we'll just go to the movies and so i go back home and she was like i was like all right mom like heather and i are going to go to the movies she was like no you're not and I was like, what do you mean? No, I'm not. I asked her on a date. She was like, okay, fine. Like as long as I can go and sit with you. (laughs) Oh my God. And I was so mad. And she was like, I don't care what the other parents do. Like they can do with their kids what they want, but like you're my kid and like you're going to follow my rules. My mom was super strict, very rigid. And I hated it as a kid. Mm -hmm. But looking back, like what a blessing. Like she just cared so much and loved so much that like she would, she always wanted what was best for me. And she would never, ever let me sit in a place of just, just satisfaction. Like it was like, no, like that's, that's not what we do. Like you're always going to keep working. Yeah. And that's such an important, I think, there's such a great way to instill that in children. Like you can still do it softly. You can still, you know what I mean? It's not about teaching you that you're not good enough. It's just saying like, you always keep going. And I love that. So being that obviously my fitness coaching history, when you're talking about wrestling and the weight cut, I'm like triggered. (laughs) Um, And so I think about you know, I competed obviously in powerlifting as a weight class athlete. And I know how tough that is for like so many of the women that I'm working with. I typically will have women that I'm like breaking that old mindset and like dealing with all of the trauma from bad dieting, overly restrictiveness, all that kind of stuff. So did you find that that showed up in your eating patterns? Like as you got older, any anything like left from that? Like binge eating? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's some of my most popular videos on YouTube is talking about my own struggles with binge eating and anorexia and bulimia and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, I competed in powerlifting as well. And mm-hmm. I did it after wrestling. It was very interesting because in wrestling, you, when you're cutting weight for a season, it's every single week sometimes two or three times a week. So what will happen is like, I would be weigh 112 pounds and then I would essentially like cut from 112 to 103 Mm -hmm. within the period of about 24 to 72 hours. Mm -hmm. Usually I would get down to about 108 or so Mm -hmm. just through like barely eating. And then from there, I would water cut the last five pounds. And that was just every week, at least once, if not two or three times a week. And that was usually from just after Thanksgiving until depending on how well I did uh, throughout like the tournament process until March or April. So it was just like 
constant. And I had a lot of meetings with uh, teachers in high school. I, my mom got so many phone calls about me being clearly like have a terrible relationship with food. I, I, I used to sit in my classes. Remember, this was what wrestlers did. Like, right. so I was around other kids doing it and the coaches promoted it. I would right. sit in my class, like spitting in a water bottle, like to try and lose weight for before weigh-in. And I would just mm-hmm. fill up a water bottle full of spit. Like that was just what I was told I had to do. Right. And as a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old, 17-year-old, like when you're young, you see the older kids doing it and your coaches are like, this is what you have to do to make weight. And then as you get older, you have to set the example for the younger kids because that's what you've been told your responsibility is. So it's a, it's a really awful cycle. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was terrible. It was basically the perfect way to create a binge eating issue. Yeah. In terms of uh, basically you restrict, restrict, restrict. And then after you weigh in, like literally the moment after you weigh in, you binge. Like yeah. you eat as much as you possibly can. I would easily go from 102.9 pounds, 103 pounds, all the way up to 112, 114 within about 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like super easy to do. Which mm-hmm. looking back, it's also a blessing because learning this at such a young age has helped me help so many hundreds of thousands more people with it. Right. So I wouldn't change it for the world because it's allowed me to help so many more people. And I'm very fortunate in that I was able to break that cycle and that I haven't struggled with it for the better part of a decade. But it was very, very difficult. I mean, I remember remember when I was in high school, there was this girl I had a huge crush on, Kristen Richards, and I liked her from eighth grade. For me, like this was like that one girl that you thought you were gonna like like forever. Yeah. And uh, I remember like we were finally going on a date to and we were going to friendlies and we were in high school and she got ice cream and I was just like, No, I'm not gonna get anything. Oh remember, like she got this black raspberry ice cream which is my mom's favorite. And I just sat there and I felt so bad because I wanted to be able to enjoy the ice cream, but I had so much guilt inside that I said, if I got it, then like I would like fast for a whole day or I'd feel awful. So literally I was just, I played it off. I was like, Oh no, no, I don't want it. I'm not hungry. Like let's just go out, like whatever. But, uh, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget sitting at Friendly's where Kristen, yeah. Kristen ate her black raspberry ice cream and like, I didn't have any. And that was like, like when I realized this is a problem like that I'm a kid and I can't enjoy this. Yeah. And uh, that was a big moment for me. Fortunately, since then, I've been able to break that cycle and it's, it's massively helped. But yeah, I mean, wrestling, I think that was the catalyst for all of it, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and it's so like, that's the hardest thing about weight class sports. And, you know, being that you... We have all this stuff. It's like, oh, you're not defined by your weight and stuff. And it's like, okay, but like, I have to be this weight. So how do I balance between the two? So what do you think, you know, when you're going through these struggles and you finally get to that point to where you're like, this is not, this is not good. What did you do? So when I really started to figure it out, so what happened was I, I was in college and I, because I still struggled with it. Basically, I really mm-hmm. struggled with it all the way into college. Yeah. And it was funny because the wrestling season was about right around Thanksgiving until March or April or so. But it's not like you just stop the season and you stop caring about your weight. Right. Like It's not like you hype, like weigh yourself four or five times a day every day for that entire six months. And then all of a sudden, no, well, just never mind. Like It's like you're constantly focused on it. Yeah. And then you're always thinking about, well, what am I going to wrestle at the next year? I don't want to go up too heavy because I don't want to have to like uh, go up against kids who are way, way bigger. Yeah. So like then even though it's not the season, you're still like, I want to keep my weight really low. In the off season, I started running like 15 miles every other day <sighs> just because I wanted to keep my weight really, really far down. Yeah. And so th- that was like a whole other separate issue. But then when I got to college and I was no longer wrestling, but I started powerlifting, I was tracking my calories, tracking my macros. I was meticulous with it, but I was binge eating like crazy. Like I was, and it was one of the things where like no one knew, like no one right. knew that I was binge eating because I would do it later at night when nobody was there. Yeah. Um, but I was on winter vacation from college and I was at my mom's apartment and I was just, I like ate an entire thing of bagels, like an entire sleeve of bagels and just like a ton of food. And yeah. it was like, I didn't feel like, you don't like it. You don't, you're not happy with yourself. You don't like it. You feel awful. And I remember just being like, this is ridiculous. I was intermittent fasting and that was perpetuating a lot of it as well. Mm. And so I remember I just went into my mom's bathroom and I, I just like looked myself in the mirror and I was like, you're never doing this again. Like, 
you are never doing this again and you're going to start by eating breakfast in the morning. Because the idea of eating breakfast scared the living shit out of me, which yeah. was like thinking about it, just like, I was like, why does eating breakfast scare me? I'm like, that's not normal. It's mm-hmm. not healthy. And I had fallen into the trap of thinking that intermittent fasting was essential for fat loss. That was, that was it was the pinnacle. So I realized that eating breakfast is okay. And I looked myself in the mirror. I was like, you're never doing this again. You're eating breakfast every day. The next morning I ate breakfast. I didn't count my calories. I just started eating breakfast. And I was like, I have three meals and two snacks every day. So every day I'm going to eat three meals. It can fit on one plate. I'm not going to count the calories, but I have to have protein and vegetables on every plate. And then I have two snacks. And that was it. And that was more or less the last time I ever binged, which is like years and years and years and years ago. And that's really it. That was like really the, the end of it. Yeah. It's so crazy because I don't know if you know this about Eric, but he suffered from binge eating disorder too. And that's like one of his most watched videos on YouTube is he did a whole story about that too. And he went to therapy actually, which he highly recommends. We're both like, everybody go to therapy (laughs) because we both been. So, but you know, in those, those moments to where it's like, I, you, there's so many people that struggle with these disorders. And like, I really feel like a lot of it is that kind of the discussion that we were having about being worth, feeling like you're worth getting the help for. And it sounds like to me that you were in such a position to where it's like, you knew that something wasn't right. You knew that like, this wasn't what you were meant for. You knew that there was something more And you were just so committed because it sounds like from your upbringing that you just were so resilient that it was like, okay, like what's a step forward? What's a step forward? And to break that habit just by, like you said, and we were talking about this too, it's like just starting small, like just by breakfast, like just breaking that one little piece of, okay, like what is something I usually restrict myself from? Like, just remove that, like just take it out and how that can make such a shift in everything. A hundred percent. It's one of the things that, uh, it's why it's so important to never just be satisfied with where you are. Mm -hmm. Like if you fall into that trap, it's easy to justify behaviors that are not healthy for you. It's easy to justify doing things that are not good for you because either you're telling yourself or someone is telling you you're just perfect as you are and like take it or leave it. It's like, that's not true. Mm-hmm. It's not. So for me, like you're just saying, I think it's really important when we're talking about habit creation and habit formation, it's not so as simple as just take a habit out. Or, yeah. It's not just you stop it. You usually have to replace it with something. Mm-hmm. It's like you take one habit and instead of just doing, you just take it out, you have to fill that space. Yes. And so for me, that filling that space was, I had to fill it with eating breakfast. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was like, for me, it's like, I can't just stop binging. It's like, I have to do something to replace that. And eating earlier in the day, as counterintuitive as as it felt, that's the habit that I needed to begin in order to replace the binging habit. Yeah. And that's a, that's a good point about it feeling like almost the wrong choice. Like for me, when my habits were, my habit was binge drinking and drugs and partying. And that was my thing. And for me, it took getting arrested three times and waking up in the medical unit in a suicide suit and being like, I'm going to die. You know, <laughs> So which path am I going to choose here? And when I took out the partying, it's crazy because I knew it was literally killing me. But in the same sense, it was so scary to me because you familiarize yourself with all of this, like, that's what I do. Like, that's my habit. And so when you take that away, like you said, you have to put something else in there. And for me, it was therapy and a program. And then the gym was my fill-in. And so starting down that path, but I definitely recognize that there does have to be something there for you and, and replacing it with something that can be better in the long term can come sometimes seem when it's right in front of us like it's the scariest thing we have to do. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And you know, it's interesting. I'm assuming, and tell me if I'm wrong, that almost the I'm a, that even your fitness after that, like when you got really into the gym and working out mm-hmm. and nutrition, that maybe that became your next obsession. For maybe sure. that became I think it's it's important to to because for me, 
my next obsession became powerlifting. Like, mm-hmm. like my like one focus became deadlifting four times my body weight. That's mm-hmm. all I cared about. It's all I thought about. I didn't miss a workout for over four years. Yep. Like I didn't yeah. miss it for, I didn't miss a single workout. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Like, I think we have to be very honest with ourselves with how we are and who we are. I know I have a very, very obsessive personality. And like, when I really focus on something, like I posted three times a day, every day on Instagram. That's insane. Yeah, literally insane. <laughs> it's insane. And I think you have to be honest with yourself and your behavior. Like if you're, if you have a behavior, whether it's with maybe you don't work out at all, you don't mm-hmm. pay attention to nutrition at all. Then if you are more or less the person who's either all in or all out, then you have to be aware of that with yourself and you have to call yourself on your BS and you have to be like, well, what is it going to be better for me? Is it to be better to be all out or all in? And sometimes, and this is where the the discussion of balance comes in. Mm -hmm. Everyone's like, you need balance in your life. I'm like, okay, that's great. But how do you create balance? And I'm a huge believer that sometimes in order to create balance, you have to go through periods of unbalance. You have to take it to the edge sometimes in order to know where the line is is so then you can come back from it and have more moderation i'm assuming for you and for me as well like i i wouldn't be as good of a coach i am today if i didn't obsess over learning and over over studying and over being in the gym for hours and hours and hours like i wouldn't be who i am today if it wasn't for that Mm -hmm. but now because i did that i can help other people not go to that level of extreme because i did that I think if you really want to reach a level of balance in your life, you have to be okay with having periods of time in which you're not balanced. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's funny because I actually have an online course that's called Balance Your Life. So I talk a lot about balance. And I think that like, exactly what you said, that so much of our teaching comes from like, I've been at the edge, like both sides. Exactly. Because it was exactly what you said. I was extreme, like partying, doing all these things. And then on the other side of it, it was like, oh, I can't miss a workout. I counted my macros for fucking four years, like eight powerlifting meets, two figure seasons, like the edge of (laughs) obsession on the other side. And that's why you and I can be like, okay, this side sucks. And so does this. So what does this look like for you? Like, where is your middle? Because that's the other thing is that it's different for everybody. But we're so obsessed with trying to make our lives look like somebody else's because they look so good on Instagram or whatever. They seem so balanced. Like my balance is not your balance. If you come in my shoes right now, this is not going to feel balanced to you. You're going to be like, what the fuck? Two kids, this shit's crazy, right? (laughs) If I'm going to go in your shoes, I'm like, New York City, this shit's crazy. Like, (laughs) It's like, it doesn't look the same for everybody. At all. At all, at all. So I love that you brought up the point that like seeing that extreme on one side, you're like, if you don't go there, then you don't know that is the extreme. You don't know, okay, I have to back this up a little bit. That's a great point. Tell me now, like, okay, so you work through all this binge eating stuff. It makes you, as our struggles do, it makes you a better teacher. It makes you more successful. And like, I think that the relatability like when you're speaking to people, I know for me, and I'm sure that you feel this, it shows up so much more. Like when you're talking to somebody and you're like, oh, like I feel you because I've been there, you know, it's so, it's so different. And that's why like, I'm so turned off by the fitness industry because like, I always am like joking. I'm like, okay, you're a chick with a nice butt. So now you have to coach everybody. I'm like, why don't you back it up and start with the fucking $7 a session at YouFit that I had to start with? Like, Jesus, man. You know, not everybody has that. Not everybody gets to live through the struggles that make you better. Like, and I think that's something that obviously separates you. So do you recognize that when you're coaching people? Recognize what specifically? Recognize just how it shows up that you feel like more related to people because of what you've been through. Yes, absolutely. It's interesting for me. I like watching people's behavior and and their speech. It's been interesting over the last year or so, just looking at what words are really popular on Instagram lately. So, I mean, obviously, authenticity and vulnerability are really big. I think the word that I've enjoyed seeing the most especially in relation to me, is when someone says, you're so real. 
I saw the word real come out a lot in 2019 where people are like, oh, they're so real. This person's so real. They're so... For me, that was one of the biggest compliments that I could get because I really am just trying to present myself as I am, who I am, like, so that it's just the truth. It's just, it's just real. It's just, that's what it is. Yeah. It's like, I think I personally came into myself the most that I have thus far in the last year mm-hmm. in terms of putting on a wig for a YouTube video or like doing all these different characters and voices. Like mm-hmm. I've done those since I was a kid. Like I remember right. at holiday parties, like my, my older family members would be like, do this impersonation or do this impersonation. And I would always do them. And it was always a big kick. And, and I always liked doing different accents and stuff, but I never did them publicly because I was always like a little bit nervous about what people would think. And, yeah. and I always thought I had to live up to this idea of what a professional was supposed to be like. But in the last year, I started to bring them in. And not only did I feel good about it, but they did very well. People loved them. They thought they were great. And so I just got a lot more people saying, you're so real, you're so real, you're so real. And so the more that I just was honest about not only who I am and like the jokes and like the lightheartedness, but mm-hmm. the telling the truth about my story and about my past and about like what I've been through, the more people related with it the deeper connection was built because of it. Because it's one thing to be the person who presents information, which is what I started out as. I started out as the person who presented information that people really liked and it was helpful. It's another thing for people to actually feel emotionally connected to that individual because now they have a huge relationship with them and they can feel related to them. I don't think I could have done the second part if it weren't for the first part. Like I don't think I could have... have built that relationship if I didn't first start with giving them great information. I think that's where a lot of people sort of, they miss the boat. They think, well, if, as long as I just tell them about who I am, I don't really need to give them any good information. That's not true. You need yeah. both. But yeah. I think for me, starting out with the information built my platform enough where then I had enough of an audience where then I could build a relationship with that audience and it meant a lot more. Yeah. Like people were curious. They're like, okay, this guy's saying all this cool stuff, but like, who is this guy? Like, how does he know this stuff? And like, that's the great thing about social media is that you really can build incredible relationships with people. And it's like, it gives you an opportunity to really make a difference. And like, when you truly care about your platform, I think that that shows up. It's very obvious that you do, that you just want people to do better and to live better. There's too much sugarcoating. And I think you touched on this a little bit, but there's so much in the body positivity and body acceptance (laughs) world. And I have some pretty strong opinions on that. (laughs) Um, But I just think that it's so hard because I will have clients that are like, you know, this makes me feel bad for wanting to lose weight. And I'm like, how did something that was supposed to be helpful get twisted into something that's still making people feel like shit. It's unbelievable. It's infuriating. And it, re- it really is because the same people who say, just love yourself and love everybody and be kind are now turning around and being like, you shouldn't want to lose weight. Like that's unhealthy. Like now you're perpetuating this. Like you're, it's- Like you make no sense. <laughs> it's so illogical yeah. on just the most blatantly obvious level. Mm-hmm. It's bewildering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me- you said something earlier that I really liked, and I, I've I've said this before. You said like I don't care if you do Zumba, I don't care what you do, just do mm-hmm. something. Yeah, I don't care mm-hmm. what you eat. I don't care how you train. I don't care like what political party you are. I don't care. Just be a good person yep. and work to get better. Yep, that's it. And I'm going to support you in whatever you do, mm-hmm. as long as you're not hurting yourself or hurting somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like. If you want to do something to get better, then hell yeah, go for it. Like, right. I, just, I just don't care. Like, it does not bother me as long as you're trying to get better. So mm-hmm. for me to see a whole group of people trying to tear others down when their platform is built on this idea of trying to build people up and never tearing anybody down, is just remarkable to me. Yeah, it's completely backwards. And I think it's so twisted because people really think now that you can't love yourself and work on yourself simultaneously. I'm like, this. that's exactly what we're all supposed to do. It's not like, like you reach, I said this on my Instagram the other day. I'm like, you don't just like reach the top of the mountain and you're like, well, that's it. All right. I'm ready to die. Like that's not how it works. 
there's no top of the mountain. There's no, you just keep going. There's peaks and there's valleys and there's times where it freaking sucks. But it's like, you can't like body acceptance. It's okay to say, this is the body that I'm in. I'm thankful that for this body, like I've been two, I've had two kids. I'm like, oh my God, this is like, what the fuck happened here? Like, you know what I mean? But then it's like, in the same sense, I'm like, okay, but I love myself and respect myself enough that I trained through both of my pregnancies. I didn't gain a bunch of weight. Like people are like, you look like you didn't have a kid. I'm like, it's not that. It's just, I still worked on myself while being accepting of where my body was. Like you can always do both. I not only do I agree, I, I think it it's not just that you're doing both. I think that if you want to do one, you have to do the other. Yeah, it's like, if you want to love yourself, then you have to take action and keep working to improve yourself. It's like, and if you want, it's sort of like what you're talking about. Like you have to be courageous in order to break through your fears and you have to break through your fears in order to be courageous. Mm -hmm. If you want to love yourself, then you have to work to better yourself. And if you want to better yourself, you have to love yourself. It's sort of the, it's like the catch 22. You have to do both at the same time. If you're saying that, well, I'm not going to work to get better because I love myself, then you don't love yourself because you're not working to get better. It's Mm -hmm. like, you have to do both at the same time. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is that I've actually seen that some of the people who are preaching about body acceptance are also some of the people that are posting about like how they're having these hard days with their body. And I'm like, okay, but wait, I appreciate that you're being vulnerable and that you're saying this, but don't, aren't you just supposed to accept and, and, and you're all good? Cause I'm confused now. There's so much misrepresentation and illogical behavior and thought process in that community. And the thing, here's what I actually want to clarify. I'm all for body positivity. Yep, same. If we're defining body positivity as being kind to your body, being kind to other people's bodies and working to improve your body. Like I'm all for body positivity. Mm -hmm. But if your form of body positivity is going on someone else's page and shaming them for them saying they want to lose weight, that's not being kind to someone else's body. I don't know like why you think that your idea of whatever body posi- body positivity is is better than someone else's, but it's unbelievably pretentious of you to think that what you're saying and what you're doing is inherently better than them. Mm-hmm. And I would very much encourage you to follow the golden rule that we all learned when we were four. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Yes. My Grammy always said that. I'm like, <laughs> she was so right. And I always talk about that on social media when like people will go on, like he'll post a food or whatever. People are like, this was gross. He's like, what the fuck? Like, why did you even say anything? Like, just keep scrolling. Like, you literally why? took the time out of your day and right. the energy to t- type those words. And maybe you misspelled one and went back <laughs> to delete it. And then like you actually hit enter. Like, why right. would you take the time out of your day to say that? Like, what an ass. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it, it, and it's so funny. It just, you know, social media is funny in general, but we won't even get started on that. But so here's a question for you. Being that you went through all these struggles and like came out on the other side, now you're in this really cool place. If you could, I think that you, you and I are on the same wavelength and like we wouldn't change anything. But if you could go back and like tell yourself something in those younger years, like what would it be? If I could go back and tell myself something, I would say, man, I wish I had like a month to prepare for this one question. <laughs> um, there's a lot that I want to tell myself. I think we'll probably start by saying, a lot, I think a lot of my struggles came from being insecure about my body with like for a number of reasons that like through wrestling and all that stuff. So I, probably to the effect of no one gives a fuck if you have visible abs. <laughs> yeah. Just like no one gives a fuck. They just don't. No. They just don't. And it's, I really wish I knew. I mean, because people had told me that growing up or like similar messages but I never really understood it. I never, so who knows? Maybe I wouldn't say that because I know that my 16 year old self would say, fuck you, you're an idiot. Like yeah. you're just coming up with an excuse like, to be I'm like a slob. really working for these apps. <laughs> what's next? What else you got for me? Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, if, if there's something that I wish I could know back then, like internalize, it would be that. Mm-hmm. But then, then again, go back on what I just said. Maybe I don't because if I knew that, then I wouldn't have learned what I did. Right. right? That's it's always like, the hard part. So it's like, because I don't regret any of it. 
and I'm very glad all through, because without that stuff and none of what I've done would have happened. And, and that's, I think what's really important to remember is like anytime you're going through a really tough time in your life, mm-hmm. odds are you're never really going to look back and say you regret it because you're always going to be better because of it. Yeah. So it's always important to keep that sort of optimism in mind that whatever you're going through right now, at one point in your life, you're going to be happy that you went through it. So yeah, I mean, that would be it. I, I think it's, if there's one message I could help other people really internalize, it would be that just no one gives a fuck. Like they really don't. Yeah. They, people they are just too don't. worried about themselves. Like a hundred percent. Everybody only cares about themselves. They don't care about you. <laughs> just like, it's that's true. Why you should just care about yourself too. It's true. <laughs> people just care about themselves, which is a good thing. Like we should, I, I think this idea of being selfish, selfish is often a very negative word. Right. It's like people often hear of selfish as being like very negative, very bad, that like, oh, you're so selfish. It's like you need to be selfish in order to be generous. Mm-hmm. Because the whole cliche saying you can't pour from an empty cup or whatever it is. Right. But if you really, this isn't a whole philosophical discussion, but it comes to the question of like everything we do is selfish. Like, yeah everything. And it's a good thing. Like, and, and I think things become bad when you're being selfish, when you're doing it like to harm someone else. But right, your motives, your what's the exactly. underlying. But working out to feel better and be healthier, it's selfish in a good way. Like eating better to be healthier is selfish. Like getting enough sleep so you feel good is selfish. Like you should be selfish. Yep. Very yep. important to be selfish. And I very much believe that. Yeah. I, it's so funny because you said almost verbatim something that I say in my course and I was talking about being selfish because I was relating it back to us prioritizing ourselves because people think that like you're not supposed like, I'm like the reason why you feel like shit is because you don't take care of yourself because you think it's selfish to prioritize yourself, but it's literally backwards. Like if you take care of yourself, you feel better and then you can do more things. Like Exactly. So I would agree with you there. We're very big on, and I'm very big on my coaching, like taking action. I know you're you're on the same page here. So what we like to do to kind of start wrapping things up is give people some sort of tools. And we talked about a lot of things already. I think like just that starting small piece is huge. But, you know, if somebody out there is listening to this and they're relating and they're like in that spot to where it's like okay, I don't know like where I'm supposed to be. I'm like supposed to accept my body, but also I hate my body. Like what's happening with my life? Like what would you, what would you say to them or what would you give them today? Establish a very clear goal mm-hmm. of what you want to achieve and then establish an action plan to achieve that goal. I generally look at goals in two different ways. You have your objective-based goal. You have the goal that like your objective, what you want to achieve. You have your action-based goal, what you're going to do every day to make that happen. Love it. For example, I've been focusing a lot on blood pressure recently because I think blood pressure is one of the most overlooked components of health. It's like they call it the silent killer for a reason. Mm -hmm. Like people can have, people can look very healthy. They can appear to be very healthy. They can work out and eat well, but they can have high blood pressure and not know it. And there's drop dead, which Mm. happens. It's like one of the high blood pressure is one of the biggest killers in the United States. So like what I would say for me, for example, is let's say you want to focus on improving your blood pressure. That would be your objective-based goal. Another objective-based goal, I want to lose 25 pounds. Cool. Great. Everybody does. Now what? Like, (laughs) How are you actually going to do that? So what are your action-based goals? And I think the easiest way to sort of describe action-based goals, they're, they're basically like a to-do list. Every day you make your to-do list. And I would recommend that you have no more than five things at most on your daily to-do list, like at most. And most people, they'll make like 20 things and they'll do none. I'd rather you put five and do two every day. Like, or do put one, literally just one or two or three things. Like there's no need to have a, a massive amount. But every day at the, when you first wake up, write down exactly what you're going to do that day. Make it clear. Like if, if, let's say if blood pressure is what you want to improve, cool. So you know that like having a more potassium rich diet is probably going to help with that. So you're going to make sure that you have some avocado, maybe a banana, some sweet potato. Cool. Awesome. So that's going to be your potassium for the day. Right. You know that you, you want to get your movement in. So you're going to walk for at least 20 minutes. It doesn't have to be 20 minutes straight. It could be blocks of five minutes. I don't give a fuck. But either <laughs> way, you know exactly you're going to hit that number or that amount of time. So that's your to-do list and you cross it off once you've done it. Mm-hmm. So if, you're, if you want to lose weight, you're like, cool. So you know exactly how many calories you're going to hit. So these are the amount of calories you're going to hit that day. If you go over your calories, you did not accomplish that goal. 
And you have to be honest with yourself. Like, did you do it or did you not? How much protein are you going to get? That's another thing on your to-do list. Are you going to get your training in? That's another thing on your to-do list. Like, are you going to, how much water are you going to drink? That's another thing on your to-do list. So put all of the stuff that you have on your action, your daily to-do list, your action list. And then at the end of a month, two months, three months, six months, two years, all of a sudden you're going to look back and be like, holy fuck, I did it. It might have taken a while, but that's how it works. Mm -hmm. So if you can do one thing, it's establish a clear goal, not just like, I want to lose weight. How much weight do you want to lose? Like specific specific with it and and a clear action plan to achieve it. Yeah. You're like, I'm pretty sure we'd be best friends in real life. (laughs) You're like saying all this stuff. And I'm like, these are like, he's using my words. saying (laughs) the exact things that I say. I love it. It's so important. People people are so general when they're like, I want to feel better. Or this one, like, I want to get healthy. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Exactly. What are you doing? Like, what what does that look like to you? I went through with every single one of my clients this year and I made them write down all the goals. And then we did a whole session where we made each goal specific and then went through the steps for each goal. Because I'm like- I love that. We're not just like making this general because that's the reason people get so mad because they set a goal, they don't reach it. And then- before you know it, you've established the habit of breaking promises to yourself. Like, exactly. Of course, that's what you do because that's what you know. Like the reason, the problem's not the goal. The problem is the plan. That's a great phrase. And I just, I spoke about that either yesterday or the other day to my girlfriend about breaking promises to yourself. Yep. And uh, I think it could be a wonderful definition of resilience where it's like, no matter what, you're not going to break your promise to yourself of what you said you're going to do. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of people talk about, well, how do I get motivated? What, how do I get motivated? I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to be motivated all the time. It's just like, you're not. The, what you have to do is you have to do what you say you're going to do, even and especially when you don't want to do it, which I think is resilience. And I think a great definition of resilience is what you just said, which is don't break your promises to yourself no matter what. Yep. It's like, discipline. That's it. That's it. We always, Eric and I always say that like when motivation's not there, that's when your discipline shows up. Like neither of us, Eric gets up at 4 a.m. and I get up at 5 a.m. Neither of us want to do that. And people are like, how do you, like, how do you, I'm like, I have two children and a business. That's the only time I can train. So it's not an option. Like that's what I do, you know? Right. It's like, it's just motivation is so like fleeting. It's so whatever. It's like, that's not... Like none of us, nobody in this world wakes up and is like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> you know, like every single day, that's such bullshit. Like, but if you wake up and you have a plan and you have a purpose, it makes your days look different. It's like, okay, well, I feel like shit. Maybe I didn't sleep good. Maybe I'm just like not motivated today, but I still have this to-do list. Like I still am working towards something. And then by the end of the day, you feel better because you actually served a purpose because you actually tried. Exactly. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I love it. We would be best friends. That's for sure. <laughs> I know, right? So let's wrap it up. Anything else that you want to say? I mean, your words are amazing. And I'll leave it with uh, you're great, but you could be better. So go achieve it. I love it. I love it. So where, for anybody that doesn't follow you already, give us your website, your social media handles, all that kind of stuff. Uh, my name is Jordan Syatt, S-Y-A-T-T, like the Hyatt Hotel, but with an S. I'm on YouTube, Jordan Syatt, Instagram, Syatt Fitness. If you just Google my name, you'll find a bunch. So thank you for having me on. This was great. Yeah, this was so awesome. So thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check Jordan out. Definitely follow his Instagram because it is fantastic. So next episode episode number nine, we are going to be covering confidence and how to build your confidence and what confidence actually means, what more confidence allows us to do and how you're holding yourself back by not taking the time to really focus on building your confidence. So we hope that you will join us for the next episode. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I hope that you live bravely today. If you are a CEO or entrepreneur, I want to invite you into a space that's unlike anything out there. CEO Power Hour is a free monthly live experience that you can join in person or virtually to get your questions answered to fulfill the desires for your business. 
Inside this room, you bring your biggest goal, the obstacles you are experiencing, or anything you want my expertise, eyes, and ears on. This guidance, along with the ideas and inspiration from other powerful women, allows you to be fully immersed in the energy of being supported and learn in a completely new way so that you can expand your business and your life to the next level. I created CEO Power Hour to bring together powerful business owners for connection, collaboration, and coaching. This is your invitation, and it's free. The link is in the show notes, so I hope to see you at our next monthly meeting.